Good morning and welcome. Welcome to our worship service today, Island Baptist Church on Kameno Island, and welcome to all of you guests uh, on Kameno and elsewhere. Trust that your heart will be encouraged this morning as we draw near to God uh, during this extraordinary time. I bring you the greeting from Scripture. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We need his grace, his undeserved love toward us at this time, and we need his peace, too, to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We begin this morning with this call to worship from Psalm 74 and verse 12. Asaph wrote this during a very dark time in Israel's history. The temple had been destroyed by their enemies. There were no prophets in the land, no uh, one speaking forth the word of God so that they could have some form of encouragement about what God was doing and what he was up to. And it just seemed, in the words of Asaph, that God had removed his hand, his gracious hand from them as a people, And yet he recalls this, yet God my king is from of old working salvation in the midst of the earth. That God was up to something even in the midst of those dark times. That in his mercy he was working salvation. He was drawing people to himself in purity of faith, in humility so that they could rediscover that there is a God who saves and trust in him. And I pray that for you this morning. The truth of this scripture is found in a hymn entitled, Praise Ye the Lord, the Almighty, the King of Creation, written almost 400 years ago. O my soul, praise him, for he is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear now, to his temple drawn near. Join me in glad adoration. I trust you can do that this morning from where you are. Let's join together in worship of the Lord as God's living temple in which he abides by his spirit. Praise ye the Lord who over all things so wondrously reigneth, even now, shelters thee under his wings, yea, so gently sustains us. Have you not seen how your desires e'er have been granted in what he ordaineth? Praise ye the Lord who doth prosper your work and defend you. Surely his goodness and mercy here daily attend thee. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do if with his love he befriend thee. Praise ye the Lord, O let All that is in me adore him. All that has life and breath, come now with praises before him. Let the Amen sound from his people again. Gladly forever adore him. And that's what we want to be doing in these days. Adoring our great God and King. Would you bow with me as we pray together this morning? We thank you, our great God and King the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction. 
We thank you that we can draw near to you in prayer now through our Lord Jesus Christ, who promised to help us in our time of need. And we're in need, Lord. We're in need as a nation. We're in need as your whole world, all creation. We pray today for families that have been directly impacted, who are sick, who are suffering, and those who have lost loved ones. May your grace be multiplied to them. Help them in their time of need. Thank you that you are a merciful God. We pray for our president and our governor and the many working with them in this battle. Grant them wisdom and strength, Heavenly Father. We pray for those on the front lines, doctors, nurses, and medical assistants, emergency responders, and all those behind the scenes who are supporting them, their families included. We pray for those who are working hard to support our community with ongoing supplies and essential services. We pray for those who have been impacted financially. Heavenly Father, give us this day our daily bread. May we be generous in sharing it with others. Thank you for the privilege of loving one another and our neighbor as ourselves. We pray this morning for our neighbors around the world, the nations that are uh, grieved, that are suffering at this time. We think of uh, India, 1.3 billion people and many others, Lord, around this globe who are in uh, lockdown, who are in quarantine. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that they would be strong in their faith, that they would love their neighbor as themselves and share with them the hope that we have in Christ. Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your courage now as always. We thank you for your mercy and love toward us in Christ. And now as we open your word, your scriptures, transform us, change us by the renewing of our minds. This we ask through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be together again uh, today. And I trust that your heart will be encouraged as we spend time in God's Word. We begin again on this solid foundational truth from the book of Job. This is our foundation as believers. And this is the truth that God has revealed to us in His Scriptures, in His Holy Word. And this truth is from the mouth of Job who said in the midst of his suffering... In God's hand, in His hand, is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. We can take a a deep breath and just say, Lord, my life is in Your hand. It's in Your hands. Our lives are in Your hands. This is why we can talk of God's sovereignty that he is large and in charge. Though we don't understand the depths of his infinite wisdom and ways, we can certainly trust him. God has proven that we can trust him by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us as evidence of his great love toward us. And he calls us to trust him, to put our lives in his very hands. 
In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Not only is God sovereign, he is merciful. This is, as we saw last Sunday from 1 Peter chapter 1, in verses 3 through 6. Let me read this for us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Yeah, I think we can resonate with the last part of that verse, though now... For a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved. We've been deeply grieved by this pandemic that we are experiencing. And yet, God, in his mercy, would point us to something that we can actually take courage in and hope in and even rejoice in. All that he has done for us and is yet to do for us because of his great mercy to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we uh, look at these words in which we are to rejoice, I want to remind us of something. That the writer of this scripture, the Apostle Peter, is a human being who lived in this broken world and practiced what he preached. I say this because at times it seems to us that God is asking us to do the impossible. To rejoice, though now you have been grieved by various trials. I would also include in this reminder that Peter was a married man. We know this from Scripture. And so he writes not only as an apostle, but as a husband. And as a father who loved his family as God would have him to. Would he, his wife and family and God's people at that time in the first century have been grieved, distressed by all kinds of different trials? Perhaps like we are now? Oh, absolutely. Count on it. It it was that way. And certainly... For Peter's family, the most grievous of those trials would be Peter's own death for the sake of Christ. So how do men become like Peter? How do men and women have this kind of courage, this kind of faith that they become so radically changed, they live on a different level almost, like they were headed for uh, some other place? Well, you know the answer to this question. It's because of Christ who called them to follow him and who caused them to be born again by the Spirit. 
They weren't blind to the sufferings of this world. Rather, their eyes were opened to the Savior of this world. And this is why Peter could write in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. God is the cause of something greater than our sufferings. For every child of God, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope that is into the sphere or realm of a living hope right now. So many of us are uh, battling anxiety and fear. And the good news is, is that God, by his great mercy, has caused everyone who has come to faith in Christ, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope. That is, he's brought us into a realm called a living hope. And nothing can take us out of that living hope. Why? Because it's anchored in a historical reality, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Two, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Let's think about this for a moment. This inheritance that is kept in heaven for all those who have been born again by God's mercy through faith in Christ, this is what we have to look forward to. It won't uh, fluctuate with the stock market. It doesn't need a uh, 2 or $3 trillion stimulus package. It's been secured for us by God's mercy himself through the resurrection of Christ who has caused us to be born again to a living hope and to an inheritance that has these qualities about it, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us. It's imperishable in that we can look forward to bodies, physical bodies, that will never perish, that will never die, on an earth that will never perish, that's imperishable. It will be undefiled by evil, that is, by sin, corruption, injustice, and unrighteousness. It will be unfading in its glory. And this is the, the beauty of what God has revealed to us through his word. As in the book of Revelation towards the end, it talks about the new heaven and the new earth. And there will be no need for a sun or a moon. Why? Because the glory of God and of the Lamb will be its light. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. This is our inheritance, unfading in its glory, undefiled by evil, and imperishable. It's us living forever with our great God and Father and our Lord Jesus Christ by the abiding presence and power of the Holy Spirit. This is our inheritance. You can't insure that through the federal government. It's insured through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You don't have to hide this under your mattress. It's kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power, verse 5, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's when Jesus comes again. As much as we make every effort to guard ourselves in this pandemic, and rightfully so, antiseptically, 
And economically, every child of God can be sure of this, that they, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This is what we rejoice in. We're getting out of here. Out of this broken, perishing world when Jesus comes again. This is what we have, as I said last week, the audacity to believe, the metal, the resolve, because we've come to see that the Bible is the Word of God revealed to us, that there is a God in heaven who lives, who exists, who sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this world as the ultimate revelation of His will for our lives who spoke to us, who went to the cross for us and died and on the third day rose again and has told his apostles these things and they've written them down as eyewitnesses for us. And so as a result, we have God's holy word, the scriptures, which reveal his will to us and they tell us that Jesus is coming again. That's the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so we say with the apostle John in Revelation and all the churches, down through history, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Now, uh, as I say that, I'm reminded of the fact that, that many of you are saying, yeah, but not yet. Not yet, because we got a baby due. And uh, as a grandfather, I'm in that category. And I'm looking forward to just a couple months from now uh, holding a brand new little girl. And I'm excited about that. But you know what? We're going to trust God in His timing in all of this. We can say, come Lord Jesus, in that we set our hopes and expectations upon Him, knowing that in the meantime, He's got good things for us to be doing and we'll trust Him in His sovereignty when He is ready to reveal that salvation in the last time. So it's in all of this that we rejoice. That he's caused us to be born again to a living hope. He's got an inheritance kept in heaven for us. And we're looking forward to a salvation that will be revealed in the last time when Jesus comes again. It's in this that we can not only be encouraged, but we can rejoice. This sounds so odd, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it does. It sounds almost impossible, but God by his spirit can actually enable us to rejoice. Not in a weird, obnoxious way but in a quiet sense of gratitude and hopeful outlook that we can rejoice even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And then in verses uh, 7 through 9, Peter will show us the good that God is working in our lives in these various trials, even now in this pandemic, as he tells us in verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is what I want to uh, talk about in our remaining time together. Tested by fire the tested genuineness of our faith. Let me ask you this question this morning. 
Would you have your faith to be like gold, tested, proven, genuine, resulting in praise, glory, and honor at the coming of Jesus Christ when he is revealed? If you would, then you and I must learn to trust Jesus more. In these fiery trials, this is the good that God is seeking to work in us. In the furnace of affliction, as Isaiah described it in Isaiah 48 and verse 10. If we would just trust him. I'm reminded of the words of that song, uh, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. Oh, for grace to trust him more. For God's children, this pandemic is a fiery trial, not to punish us. We know that with absolute certainty from Scripture. Romans chapter 8 tells us in verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who God, by His mercy, has, has brought them into Christ, into faith in Christ. And we find refuge in Christ from the wrath of God poured out Upon us because of our sins. God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world but to save the world through Him in love. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned but whoever does not believe in Him stands condemned already because He has not believed in God's one and only Son. You see, God is a God of love but He has to deal with a, our, our biggest problem which is our sin. It's a violation of His justice and His righteousness and in all that he is in his holiness. And so he sent Christ to the world to take his wrath upon himself. And those who have been brought to faith in Christ, who believe in him, have been born again. They find refuge in God. And so that's my prayer for you this morning is that you will do the same. Is that you will find in Jesus absolute refuge from him and great assurance that you will never need to fear punishment from God for there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus Romans chapter 8 verse 1 so for God's children this pandemic is a fiery trial not to punish us but to purify us to purify our faith in Christ perhaps you've been sensing that in these days the heat of this trial God, by His Spirit, has been prompting us to remove the impurities, all the vain things that have charmed us most, that we have trusted in, the idols of this world. As painful as this is, and God doesn't make light of our sufferings, this is the good that God is bringing through this fiery trial, this pandemic. By way of outline uh, this morning, in verse 7, Peter writes of the tested genuineness of your faith. In verse 8, of the object of your faith, which is Christ. And in verses 8 and 9, the outcome of your faith. So first, the tested genuineness of your faith. Verses 6 and 7, in this you rejoice in all that God has done for us, as we saw, though now you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, 
may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus comes again at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If we think of it, we test things all the time. We test out shoes before we buy them and put our feet into them and walk in them and find security and comfort uh, in them. We test drive cars before we buy them. We test the strength and integrity of many things before we put them to use. And some of these things, like airplanes, if they fail the test, can be absolutely fatal. How is our faith proved genuine, real, when it's put to the test in various trials? Verse 6. Just as fire tests and refines gold, trials test and refine our faith. Proverbs 17 and verse 3 says this, The crucible is for silver, that which uh, metals uh, were, were cooked in, and the furnace is for gold, and the Lord tests hearts. God is testing our hearts in these days, isn't he? He's revealing what's in there. Is it all fear? Or is there faith? Is there confidence in him and his sovereign and merciful hand toward us in Christ? First Peter uh, chapter 4 and verse 12, Peter writes there in, in the fourth chapter of this letter, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial, the fiery trial, when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And yet, so often, we, we, we do act as though something strange were happening to us. Lord, what, what gives? What's going on? It's part of living in this broken world. For Peter in his day, it was part of living in this broken world and, and in the persecution that they were experiencing as Christians, just as many brothers and sisters in Christ are experiencing around the world. He says, don't think that something strange is happening to you during this fiery trial. Uh, it's not. These have come to test you, to prove the mettle of your faith. If we're honest with ourselves, we know the only way our faith in Christ can be purified and prove genuine is for it to be put to the test. Who would consider an untested faith to be real, to be solid? Isn't this what Satan accused Job of? He said to the Lord, does Job revere God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all he has and he'll curse you to your face. But Job didn't. He remained steadfast in his faith, though it was very painful. Job writes of this in chapter 23 and verse 7. Behold, I go forward, but God is not there. I, I can't see him. And backward, but I don't perceive him. On the left hand, when he's working, I don't behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. So he just he saw no evidence of God in his life. No blessing. Just a severe test. But then Job writes in Job 23 and verse 10 in the next line. But he knows, God knows, the way that I take. And when he has 
tried me, when he has tested me, I shall come out as gold. God would have us to say the same thing, each of us. Oh, for grace to trust him in this fiery trial. To say with the likes of Job, when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. He, he knows the way that I take. He knows me. He knows exactly where I'm at, even though I am having a hard time seeing God at work anywhere right now. When he's tried me, Job writes, I shall come out as gold. The alternative is not good. To fail the test, to abandon the faith. Jesus said in his parable of the sower, the one who scattered seed like a farmer. He said, those seeds that fell on the rocky ground, the rocky soil, are the ones who receive the word that is the message. With joy, the message of the gospel, of God's love for us in Christ. They're the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. Their hearts are rocky. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. God forbid that that should ever happen to you, to any one of us. Two things are said here in verse 7 about the tested genuineness of your faith. The first is this. It's more precious than gold. It's of greater worth than gold that perishes, though it is tested or refined by fire. As precious as refined gold is, and, and I'm sure... I have no idea, but many perhaps are investing in gold these days. I don't know. But as precious as refined gold is, it will ultimately perish with this world. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing perspective. That comes only from God, who sees eternity in view. The tested genuineness of your faith, Peter writes, from God's word, is of greater worth than gold because of its eternal value that it may secondly be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ uh, when he's revealed, when he comes again. A couple months ago, someone left this gold chain on one of the picnic tables uh, at the church campus here just outside uh, the door. It's a beautiful necklace meant to adorn uh, someone's neck. Maybe perhaps one of our young girls left it here. If it's yours, please let me know and uh, I will tuck it away uh, for you. But it's a beautiful gold serpentine necklace. Now we know the gold in this necklace came about because it was first refined by fire. The maker of it saw to that. And then fashioned it so that it would result in praise, not only to the maker, but to the one who's wearing it. Like someone would say, that's a beautiful necklace you're wearing. This is what God designs through these fiery trials. That when Jesus comes again, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold, may result in praise and glory and honor. That's like Jesus 
coming again and saying, you know what? That faith looks really good on you. The tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold. And you and I, by His grace, I trust that will be us, you and I will be praising and giving glory and honor to the Maker of our tested genuine faith, which is greater worth than gold. And then something else is going to happen too, believe it or not, is that God will actually commend us. He will give praise and glory and honor to us. This is what we see in Jesus' parable of the talents in Matthew 25 to those servants who proved faithful. The master says, well done. Well done. That looks good on you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Praise is what Jesus will give to those who have proved faithful and we will give him all the praise and glory and honor. So this is the good that God is working through these painful times, through these fiery trials. These have come so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in these things. Praise, glory, and honor when he comes again. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. For you are obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We see here lastly the object of your faith, verse 8, and the outcome of your faith, verses 8 and 9. First, the object of your faith. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Peter writes as one who saw the resurrected Jesus and loved him. You remember that conversation that Peter and Jesus had on the beach? Peter, do you love me? Oh Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Had they gone through some trials? Would they go through some trials? Oh, yes, they would. But once they saw the resurrected Christ, they valued him above any other thing in this world. Peter writes here, though you have not seen him, church, child of God, you love him. Why do you love him? Scripture tells us that we love him because he first loved us. He first loved us. He proved that on the cross. Seeing the resurrected Christ changed Peter. They marveled with disbelief, John tells us. They were just like, what? <laughs> they, they couldn't believe it. Uh, their whole outlook changed, changed. They were faithful witnesses of his resurrection and gave their lives for him and telling others. They so loved him. Jesus said to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen. That's us. And yet have believed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. You believe in him. I want you to know that the Greek words translated believe in 
mean to trust or rest one's confidences in. That is to completely depend on Christ for our salvation, for that future in heaven uh, with, the, with the Lord, for coming out from underneath his wrath towards us because of our sin and finding refuge in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us and rose again so that we could live with him forever. That's who we put our confidence in. We depend completely on Christ for our salvation. Nothing good in me that I could ever do as a person, as a husband, as a father, even as a pastor, could ever earn my way one small step into heaven. Not even a single bit. It's everything that Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross and our confidence, our faith is in Him. It says, though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him. That is, you are trusting Him. Absolutely depending upon Him. Not only for your salvation, but to keep you going. For saving grace and for sustaining grace. The grace of God that will will bring us home. Many of you perhaps saw a clip uh, that was run just a few days ago. It was Billy Graham back in the day preaching with all his heart to an audience of uh, tens of thousands of people. And he said this, I don't trust in Washington, D.C. as much as we appreciate all that they're doing uh, during this pandemic. He said, I don't trust in Washington, D.C. I don't trust in the United Nations. I don't trust in myself. I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's on Him that we have set our hope. I I hope that you're trusting in Him. Not only for your salvation, pardon me. There, I I did it right. Not only trusting in Him for your salvation, but trusting in Him as the one who is sovereign. The holder of our life. Our life is in his hands. Our future is in his hands. I trust that you've, you've given your life to Christ. That you're trusting him for your salvation. And to sustain you in these days through this fiery trial as he refines our faith. He says in verse 8 here, Though you do not see him, you believe in him. And look at this. We're back to this topic of rejoicing. And rejoice with joy. What kind of joy? A joy that is it's beyond words. It's inexpressible or joy <clears throat> unspeakable and filled <clears throat> pardon, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm sorry and filled with glory. The joy unspeakable and, and filled with glory. The glory of God. All His goodness that radiates from His being in marvelous light. Theologian Wayne Grudem writes, it's the joy of heaven before heaven, experienced now in fellowship with Christ, even in the midst of these fiery trials. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, for you are, as the sense here, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, uh, 
We'd rejoice if we could just get through this pandemic alive. But God has a much bigger concern, and that's the salvation of our souls. Your whole person, body, and soul. He has eternity in view. This earthly life is important, but it's just a little while compared with eternity. And this is why he sent Christ, that you would have faith in him for the salvation of your souls. So even in the midst of our sufferings, we can rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, unspeakable, and filled with glory. What does this look like in a believer's life? Well, I can share with you uh, many examples. But in the history of our church, I'd like to share with you one example in the life of Grace and Ainsley Peterson, who are now with the Lord. Members of our church from its beginning days, uh, almost 31 uh, years ago, they were gracious, they were loving, they were hospitable. They were so hospitable. Uh, Chances are, if you've been part of the church for a long time, they had you down to their home at Taiyi Beach for a beach fire and roasted hot dogs and marshmallows and s'mores. If you had kids, they they came along and they played in the water. Such tremendous, precious memories with Grace and Ainsley Peterson. Ainsley reminds me of my grandfather, tender-hearted giant of a man. You knew they loved Christ and you. They were the salt of the earth. But let me uh, tell you this. Not without their sorrows, their fiery trials that tested the genuineness of their faith. Decades earlier, one of their daughters, who was in college, I believe she was at Western Washington University, was traveling to the college or home, and her car went off the road, and she died in a car crash. There were uh, other griefs in their lives that were very deep, very deep, that I won't uh, mention today. In his final years, Ainsley suffered from a syndrome that made his legs feel like they were on fire and his lungs struggled for sufficient air. But what did you see when you went to see them? Did you see lines of bitterness carved into their face? No, not at all. You saw the joy of Christ coming through in their countenance, in the smile that lit up their face. You saw uh, them taking refuge in Christ, in His great mercy, in His love. They rejoiced with joy inexpressible and filled with glory, not in an obnoxious way, but in a gentle, spirited gratitude and hope that's only found in Christ and all that He has in store for His children in heaven. Let's pray together. Well, Heavenly Father, uh, during this fiery trial, this test, may we learn to trust in Jesus more and more. Remove the impurities 
uh, from our hearts, from our lives, so that the tested genuineness of our faith, more precious than gold, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. This we ask through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. And if there's any way that we can help you, if we can get groceries to you, if we can pray for you, please let us know. You can contact me at pastorrickmitchell at gmail.com or leave a message on our church phone at 360-387-6171. That's 360-387-6171. God bless you today.